Just so you know, no matter the skill level, that happens in every math class. Because I guarantee you that happened, happened in my Calc 1, my Calc 2, and my Calc 3, and my differential equations classes. That's a guarantee. Well, welcome to the Comfort Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was all about the all-important questions, who do the crowd say that I am and who do you say that I am, that Jesus asks to his disciples. We're going to talk about the location and setting of that story and why that matters, and also just how we ourselves answer that question in our lives today. So let's get into it. Sounds good. I was thinking about if I were asked that question, how daunting that answer would be to come up with. Yeah. And the the pastor on Sunday talked about how important it is for under for us to understand how that Peter's answer doesn't come from people. It doesn't isn't mm-hmm. of human however however Jesus yes. says that. Yep. Um but it comes from God and I was like, you know, that's so true because we screw that up all the time. Oh yeah. And for him to nail it that well mm-hmm. was not a human. He didn't get that taught to him by other people. Correct, yes. Yep, and not merely out of what he's observed over the past couple of years. Like Jesus, I mean, he just names it. Like that did not come from human wisdom. That came from the divine. Like that is mm-hmm. God's revelation to you. Mm-hmm. Way to get it, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, if I was in that situation, how just like blown away I would be by ans- trying to answer that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've only known this guy for two years. Right. You have known other things for the previous however many years you've been, you know, mm-hmm. you've been alive. Yeah. It's so contrary to everything else you've ever known. But to say it with, yeah, I mean, it, it has to be from God because there's no way he would, have, I just don't think he would have said it with that much conviction. Yeah, no, definitely not. And so I was just, I'm trying, I've always, I was trying to put myself in that situation. I just can't even imagine what that would be like. Mm-hmm. It's a big question. I mean, there's another place where this, where this question is written about in a book by Mike Schlatter called Renegade Gospel. And that chapter where he talks about who do you say that I am, he's, he calls it the most important question that we'll ever have to answer. 100%. You know, because figuring out who Jesus is is the whole ballgame for us. Mm-hmm. You know, and that answer matters so much. And that answer, the, the, the nice thing about that, about that question is that that answer is going to and should and will change over time. You know, we, we cross over into faith at some point in time in our lives and our understanding of Jesus is enough to get us across the river of mm-hmm. sal- and, and into salvation. But we don't just stay there. We, let, we get to know Jesus more and more and we go through more stuff in life and Jesus becomes, you know, presumably Jesus becomes more important to us. And we cling even tighter to Jesus' name. And Jesus takes on more roles in our life and takes on more areas of our life. And so our understanding is constantly moving and shaking and growing. But yet it's always still a question that just confronts us. It may not be someone walking up, walking up to us from the street and saying, Hey, who do you say Jesus is? But there are situations we get into. There are dilemmas that we face. 
who do you say that I am? Who's Jesus and what does Jesus mean in your life if you choose A or B? I mean, it all boils down into this one very basic and very important question. Who is Jesus to us and why does that matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking about that. How would I answer that? And I think at different, like you said, at different times in your life, you're going to answer that differently. And sometimes you may not want to admit it, but at sometimes you're more distant from Jesus than you want to be. Oh, yeah. And it's just Jesus is an afterthought in mm-hmm. your life at that point. Yes. And that's the, you know, I was thinking about that and, and definitely been in those situations. Um, and it just kind of hit me, like, mm. how could I let that happen? Where has my focus been? Where have I been spending my time to allow that to be a to be real in my life? Yeah, and that's hard. Yeah, I don't know. That is, but thank goodness Jesus is who He is. Mm-hmm. He didn't go anywhere. Exactly. Yeah, we went somewhere. Yep. You know. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's always the, the kind of the punchline of every situation. When we, when we feel like Jesus is distant, it's not Jesus that's moved. Yeah. Yeah. I saw an article the other day. Didn't read it. I definitely did my, my news surfing. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was talking about how Christianity um, is becoming less... There's less Christians today than there used to be. It's it's mm-hmm. um, dropping in, in believers and that kind of thing. Right. Thinking about that and why. You know, in, in this passage, Jesus says, Peter's, you know, the rock in which he would build my church and um, the gates of hell will never stand against it. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's to be true. Yeah. Why do people or why at least in the United States maybe is it is it um falling behind why is christianity falling behind right now Mm. and i don't know that i know the right answer but i wanted to see what you thought part of it is that there has been this god of the gaps problem where if there's something we don't understand we just say that's god Mm -hmm. you know there is a limitation to our human knowledge and we would just throw god in that gap But that gap, because we have so much access to so much knowledge now, that gap has gotten smaller. You know, why does this work the way that it works? The answer is because God created it to work that way. But when you Google that question, you get the, you know, the schematics. You get the reason why. You get the, you know, the cool connection as to why that happens. And there are two ways to look at that. You can look at that and say, okay, then we don't need God. Or you can look at that and say, okay, cool, God did it that way. And I think that there are more people looking at that and saying, okay, then we don't need God. Mm -hmm. We don't need God to explain this. We don't need God to explain that. We don't need God to be good. We don't need God to make good decisions. And I agree with you, especially on like that we don't need God to make good decisions, but you look at the state the United States is in, Mm Christianity is becoming less popular. We're all more divided than we've ever been. And I feel like it's more of a crap show now than it's been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Those two, sometimes correlation is not causation. Right. Does not mean causation. Yep. I'm pretty sure there's some causation that to that correlation sure here. Be. It sure feels like it. You yeah. know, I, I often wonder too is, 
is life too good for a lot of people mm. that they feel like I don't I mean sure. it, it doesn't need to be better I don't need Jesus right yeah you know? that can be that can become too I know I do know that in the history of the church the times when the church has grown deep in their faith has been times when the church capital C universal church has been challenged and we do live in a place where you are free to choose religion and you are and you are free to make the choice to be free from religion like that is religious freedom Mm -hmm. but that also means that you know it also does mean that we that we we come to worship and we 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 gather in relative safety Mm -hmm. there's never going to be a government agent at our door saying you know why are you here you can't mm-hmm. you can't be here like that's never going to happen because the establishment clause is a thing mm-hmm. you know that that's all there is to it but that does mean that with when things are too easily accessible it does breed a level of complacency mm-hmm. yeah i think that that's what we're I, I think that that's part of what we're seeing now yeah and so then i think there's hope in that though too because like you said when the church is challenged the most that's when the church tends to grow and i feel mm-hmm. like that's where we're at at this point yeah you know everyone talks about well the you know the church's christianity is falling apart blah 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 blah, blah. like yeah but watch that space right, because exactly. i feel like that's when jesus is going to step in right and that's when the gates of hell will never stand against it mm-hmm. right and like also i think that there's a difference between the actual church of all believers and the institutional church mm-hmm. you know i think that the institutional church that could fall apart in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and but there will still be believers in Jesus that will find ways to band together yeah and create a new you know create a new expression of what church can be and look like yeah i'm just not worried about it sure things ebb and flow all the time yes definitely and in one time you think you know Perfect example, 2018, 19, and 20, mm. we thought we were never going to, it was never going to stop raining. Sure. And now 21 and 22 have both been dry. Yep. And for some people, 22 has been really, really dry. Yes. And two years ago, they were floating. Mm-hmm. So it, everything changes so rapidly. Yep, definitely. That's why you should never get too, staying steady and staying the course mm-hmm. is the only way to go. Right. So anyway... Yeah. What did you cut? I cut um, a lot about the location. Um, this story is set in Caesarea Philippi. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing about that is that in all three Gospels, or this is where this where this story is told, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, there sometimes can be some variance to different stories, and when these stories happen, and even how these stories happen, this one is consistent throughout the entirety of the three Gospels, that Jesus takes the disciples north to Caesarea Philippi. All three Gospels, the same place, the same setting, kind of even the same sequence of events of what happens next in Bing, Bing, Bing. Jesus knows that his time is coming short. And Jesus knows that anywhere, if he were to gather with his disciples for a very important conversation, anywhere in Israel in the Jewish occupied areas he is going to be stopped and he's going to be distracted he's going to be asked to you know like 
think back to the very first message in this message series, the crowd is pressing in on Jesus so much so that he has to retreat to a boat. Mm-hmm. That's only going to get worse. This is now years down the line. These disciples have grown, the, his posse has grown, and the crowds are even more interested. And so for Jesus to have some dedicated time to talk to his disciples, because this is a conversation that is only for him and the twelve, they have to leave. They have to go. They, so hmm. they go up 25 miles north. They go out of, I mean, they're still in Israel, but they're still, you know, they're, they're, they're out of a more Jewish area. They're in okay. more of a Gentile area where the church is going to eventually grow up there. But this isn't that time. Jesus takes these disciples to this very, very remote place in order to have this very important conversation. And that's definitely, like, that's definitely part of why they go to Caesarea Philippi is because they would have been free from all the distractions and the demands of being Jesus and the disciples. Um, and they could sit down, literally sit down and have this very important conversation. Um, this was not a, just along as they were along the way they happened to be in Caesarea Philippi, this was a very conscious choice that Jesus made. The other reason why it's very important and very interesting is because, like I said on Sunday, one of the sentences, uh, so I, I had almost an entire page on this and boiled it down to a couple sentences. One of the sentences I said on Sunday and kind of elaborated a little bit more on was that Caesarea Philippi was a very important religious site to a lot of regional gods. So like there would have been shrines to like Baal, like from the Old Testament, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Of Baal. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll also be pronounced as Baal. This is kind of how I've grown to pronounce that beast because of Hebrew. Baal would have had a shrine in Caesarea Philippi. Be, the, Baal was not widely worshipped by that point, but the shrine still stood. And so there's Baal. There is also the Greek god Pan. Um, that would have had a shrine there. And like the reason why Caesarea Philippi existed is because... Um, Philip the Tetrarch built a temple to Augustus Caesar in the in that place, Caesarea. That's why mm-hmm. that's 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 why that's named that way. Um, and so Jesus also takes these disciples to a place where a lot of other religions are observed, and say, okay, not not in like a measuring contest, but in a when you see what's around you. These other, these traipses of these other religions and these regional gods that were worshipped in, in our, you know, in our, in our lineage. Where do you place me in the midst of all of this? Who do you say that I am? And that's why Peter's answer is so interesting because he says, you are the son of the living God. We understand now that Baal is not a living God. That didn't work out. The people that worshipped Baal had a good harvest, and that's why the people got distracted. And they started worshipping Baal. But that's not who we worship now. Mm -hmm. We worship Yahweh. We worship God. And you are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah that has been sent by him. That's who you are. In the middle of all these other, other things that you possibly could be or be compared to, this is who you are. 
and Jesus affirms Peter's answer. And, and, Peter, and again, it, Peter takes on that role of, of mouthpiece for the entire disciples. Mm-hmm. Like one of the commentaries I read mentioned that this would have been a question that, the, the, I mean, after what happens on the boat, the, the second time Jesus calms the storm, they say that this is the, the Messiah. And that would have been a, a conversation that they continued to have. Mm-hmm to the point that Jesus made them stand on their answer. And this would have been something, this, would have, this answer would have been something that the entire 12 would have said, but it's Peter. Peter's the one that jumps in. Mm-hmm. Peter is the leader of the disciples unofficially, and coming out of this situation, Peter is the leader of the disciples officially mm-hmm. going forward. And it all happens in this place where religiosity is all around them. But then, okay, so now let's go into what Jesus says next and what, what Peter does. Yeah. So I've got some questions on that. Sure. So continue on, the, continue on that thought process. Like what, what happens next in the gospel again? Yeah, so um, what happens next is, well, first of all, um, Jesus tells them not to tell anybody because that's kind of Jesus' thing. But it's also, totally just so they tell everyone. But also, it's a little bit not. I read uh, one of the things I read in the commentaries this week. I had never thought of this before. Is that Jesus did not want the disciples to go out and say Jesus is a Messiah because that word already meant something to a lot of people. D- Jesus was going to fulfill the hopes of the Messiah, but not in the way that the people thought, and so this would have just served to rile up a crowd that was already kind of growing to a critical mass. This would have made them even crazier. Jesus ends up dying. It's just going to disappoint people even further. But they were going to be disappointed no matter what. Because, right, I mean, didn't... No, because they didn't believe that they, they... Unless you were a part of his group that believed he was the Messiah. Sure. You didn't know that yet. Sure. And so they would have built these unrealistic expectations of him and then had their hopes completely dashed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I still kind of believe that it was totally him just wanting every, wanting them to I mean, that's tell also, everyone. That's also fair. Mm-hmm. I think that's also part, definitely part of the, the secret Messiah motif. Or the, oh, what, go, what happens next is that Jesus understands that these disciples get it. Sure. Jesus understands that this group of people is with him no matter what, that they understand who he is and what that is supposed to mean. And then he's like, okay, well, if this, if this is going to continue, you guys need to know what's going to come next. And Jesus begins to predict what's going to happen in Jerusalem that the Son of Man is going to undergo these sufferings, is going to be betrayed, going to be arrested, going to be put to death. And Peter will not have it. Peter says there's no way that's going to happen. There's just, there's just no way. And Simon Peter gets rebuked by Jesus, and Jesus says, get behind me, you are a hindrance to me. And like the, I mean, like I said on Sunday, the foundation of the church is completely rocked by what just happens next. Mm-hmm. It threatens to undo the whole thing, you know. But Jesus says, "Get behind me, get out of my way. Don't stop this. It's going to be okay." 
and not to rely so much on the commentaries, but there was a there's a brilliant line um, that was that that said that Jesus needed to remind Peter of his proper place. Like it's not so much that Jesus was casting Peter to the side; it was saying, "No, Jesus is still the leader, and you are so far out of bounds by the words that you're saying right now. Your job is to follow me, get mm-hmm. behind me, and follow me." And you just essentially, um, I don't know, confessed your allegiance. Yeah. I don't know. Really just poured out your heart mm-hmm. for Jesus. And then he tells you he's going to die in yeah. soon. Right. Like, how do you handle that? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, t- this, I totally get Peter oh, yeah, in this situation. For sure. This is how you're supposed to respond when your friend says he's going to die. Exactly. Like, that's absolutely how you're supposed to respond. But, you know, Jesus ha- is destined for this. This is, why, this is why Jesus came in the first place. Mm-hmm. I am sure that that had to be an attractive thing to know that, and this is maybe my own codependency speaking, that it would be a really attractive thing to know that this group of people gets who you are enough that they are, might be encouraging you to not, you know, to not drink the cup you're supposed to drink, to not go the way you're supposed to go. This group of 12 knows you and loves you. Well, except for Judas. This group of, <laughs> this group of people knows you and loves you that much yeah. that they can't fathom anything happening to you. It's got to feel real good. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Jesus even says, if there's another way to do this, God, let's do it that way. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus knew his destiny. Jesus, I mean, this is after the transfiguration. The transfiguration is a big pivotal turning point in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus knows what's going to take place. And Peter's job is to let it. It's another, to Jesus, it's a sign that when Peter's willing to fight for that, mm-hmm. you know, fight for what he believes in and not let Jesus die. That is kind of important. Mm-hmm. Even though, yeah, even though Jesus tells him to stand down. Yeah. And then does it again in the garden. Yep. You know, I, that's, you know, that passage came into my mm-hmm. mind, you know, when I was listening to this too, like yep. he cuts the, the, the guard's ear off. Yes. Just for Jesus to put it back on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it's one of my a, favorite scenes in the gospel. That's just crazy. <laughs> and Peter's willing to do all of these things for Jesus. No wonder Jesus picks mm-hmm. Peter to build a build a church. Yes. So what's next week? We're going to fast forward in the ministry and the timeline of Jesus and Peter um, to the point where it is the night that Jesus is betrayed. And during the course of their time together, Jesus predicts that all the disciples will fall away. And Peter says, no way, no way, not going to happen. And Jesus says, Simon, Peter, by the end of this night, even you will deny me three times. And Peter, full of bravado and full of the confidence we've come to know and love from Simon Peter, says there's just no way that's going to happen. And it does. Mm-hmm. We're going to read both parts of that. We're going to read both parts of that story. Jesus setting it up and Peter doing the darn thing and denying Jesus. 
and looking at our own lives and admitting those ways that we too have denied Jesus in, you know, the ways that we have done things and left things undone, in the ways that, you know, we have not faithfully answered the question, who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. There are ways that we fall short of the glory of Jesus Christ, of the call of Jesus Christ, in the same way that Simon Peter does. And yet, God still, like we're going to get into this next, you know, two weeks from now, there in the restoration story, but the, Jesus doesn't completely give up on the disciples. Mm-hmm. Even when they can give up on him, Jesus does not give up on the disciples. And when you feel like you're a disciple that has given up, it can feel really good to know that Jesus hasn't given up on you. Yeah. So Jesus knows the disciples better than they know themselves. And while he might appreciate their bravado, he knows what's going to come next Mm -hmm. and loves them anyway. He still goes on that night where he says that this is going to happen he still calls them friends. He still calls them beloved. He still calls them to the table. Even though, they, even though he knows. Yeah. And it's just the same for us. Even though he knows we're going to fall down on our faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His love is still there. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for joining us joining us on the Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in church or online. Uh, and then back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.